Welcome to Stories of Hope. This podcast segment is part of Michael Crossan's itinerant preaching ministry. The Stories of Hope segments are a collection of interviews from various people from all walks of life who share their stories about how they discovered God's hope and purpose in life's darkest hours. I pray that these stories bless you and encourage you and help you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Hi there, welcome to this episode of Stories of Hope. My next guest is a man very dear to me and close to me. It's my uncle, Erwin Ray, who is an assistant pastor of the Whitewell Metropolitan Tabernacle in Belfast. I used to call him Uncle Herman, but I couldn't get my eyes corrected uh, when I speak when I was speaking. But thank you for coming on, Erwin. And thank you for asking. Thank you. Just tell us a bit about your life, where you're from, where you were born, and were you born and raised in a Christian home? You know that kind of thing. Just tell us where you're from. Yeah. Well, basically, um, I was born and raised in a place hardly anyone knows. It's between Doch and Ballyclare. It's called Cogre. It's, it was a working class estate beside a mill, and I was born there on the 4th of March, 1958. And I was reared out in the countryside, as people from the town would say, the sticks. It was a lonely life, but it was a happy life. Uh, it was a community. Everyone needed everyone, because in those days, and I know people hear this all the time, things was tough. There was very, very little money about. Men had had to work long shifts, uh, wives stayed at home. Mm-hmm. So there was eight of us, I have four brothers, I have three sisters, mm-hmm. and we lost our daddy when he was 45 years of age in 1975 through a very short illness. So immediately we were launched into the unknown. Mm-hmm. And in those days also, there was no benefits, there was no help. I think there was two sisters and myself worked, mm-hmm. but the strange thing, but not strange really, just six months prior to my father dying, I came to Christ, which we'll talk about later on. And it's when you look back on the tragedy of losing your father, I realized I lost an earthly father, but I gained a heavenly father, which proved to me even then, God had it all in control. We go through grief, we go through tragedies, we go through disappointments, but we always come through the better. And that's what it's all about. As Peter says, uh, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. So we were raised in the country. We worked in the country. We lived. We helped farmers. You'd done anything to make a few pounds. And the biggest joy was the summertime. Mm-hmm. That's when you went out to the farmers to gather spuds. You got one pound note or today, 20 shillings. And that was a fortune away back in the 70s, plus a big dinner. Mm-hmm. And that helped you for the day. So you'd done all types of things. You used to go to the golf course mm-hmm. and find golf balls and sell them to the golf players. Anything to make a few pounds. You walk to the farm to get fresh eggs, to get your potatoes. Uh, you walk to the farm to do work. But it was a community. We borrowed one from another. Mm-hmm. If your neighbour was short, you seen to them and they give you it back next week. Nobody had any riches, but we were rich in love. Mm-hmm. We were rich in happiness because we had very little, Michael. Yeah. So you, you were brought up in a working class family and you lost your father. 
quite young and earlier on, did that ever make you angry or bitter towards God when your father passed away after that short illness in 1974? And truthfully say, Michael, no. With just being a new convert, people might say, well, you know, which proves now when I look back, Michael, the hand of God was on my life. Now, I'm not talking about ministry, salvation. Mm -hmm. And it was him coming into my life, preparing me for the departure of my father. Yes, I was upset. Yes, my daddy was gone. He was 45. I was 17. But I knew within me, there's a purpose. There's a reason. Even then at that young age, and as the oldest son and my sister, Pamela, the oldest, we rallied around her wee mum uh, to look after the rest of the brothers and sisters. Eventually they left school and found work. No, truthfully saying, Michael wasn't angry. That's, that's amazing because... You know, as I was talking to different people in, in life, not just on Stories of Hope, but also in general, sharing the gospel, there is at times a bitterness towards when you lose a parent or a loved one dear, but it's refreshing to hear when they see Christ, even in the midst of the tragedy. Yes, it's, it's distressing and heartbreaking when you lose someone that you love and you look up to, but this heavenly father steps in and you gain that heavenly father who mm. will help you, who has known you. And yeah. With that being said, were you brought up in a, a religious home, in a Christian home? Tell us about your conversion when that moment where mm -hmm. my life to Jesus Christ. Well, Michael, all of us as a family, those days when you lived in the country, mm -hmm. we were all, that Ballyclare, those areas were all Church of Ireland. Mm -hmm. So we, you went to your church twice on Sunday. You went to your Sunday school classes. You went to your confirmation classes. And like everybody else you hear in testimony, I thought, I'm okay. I'm religious. I'm doing no harm. I go to church. I'm a good guy. And, and I had friends, how we spent our Sunday. We went walks. Gang of fellas never caused trouble. We better bond or we better but never trouble. But it's when I was in secondary school things changed. Uh, I was the first year and I remember two years above me there was a girl Margaret Sloan and we got to know each other and then she came to me before she left school and says Erwin I've got saved mm -hmm. and I hadn't a clue Michael what on earth are you talking about Margaret and I looked at her I says saved saved what do you mean saved from what an accident or I've got saved I found Christ still bewildered and she tried to explain it to me, Michael, I hadn't a clue. Mm -hmm. I'm truthfully, I never heard about Christ. I never knew I needed to be saved. I never knew about the love of God. I knew the Psalms in the Church of Ireland and the minister, the humdrum voice, and you do all the things in ritual. But to hear somebody say, Christ has come into my life. And I must admit that planted something in my heart. That was the, that was the mustard seed in my heart that started to open the heart up and make me wonder and question, is she a freak? Has she gone religiously mad? But she kept at me, gently and calmly each week. Why don't you come to a meeting? And I was dubious, I was nervous. I thought, right, is this a cult? Are they trying to enlist me? So I took my big friend, Robin McAllen, who still goes to Whitewell. Mm -hmm. And we went, the place was Ballyclare. Mm -hmm. And in those days, it was called the CW. Uh, CWU Hall, the Christian Workers Union, bottom of the town. I went to please her. Did you hear Old Testament? I just went, get this meeting over, get it. I've done the bit. Mm -hmm. 
I remember sitting at the back, as you do, mm -hmm. with my mate, and she sat with us. And I'm waiting, what's going to happen now? And a group of fellas got up, Michael. Four lads, two guitars, four-part harmony. And they sang. And I just was riveted. You see, I love music. Mm -hmm. I was a freak for music. And when I heard, God knows what he's at, he caught me by music. Mm -hmm. And they're singing, and there's tears in their eyes, and there's a joy, and they're tapping their hands. And that, that music, those songs, love grew with a blood fell. Um, those types of songs, and something caught me. I wouldn't say I was under conviction then, Michael, but something lay hold of me. Like a seed. And I'll, go on ahead, go on ahead. Like, like a seed that was planted? Yeah. Sort of, yeah. So I went home that night. I wasn't confused. I wasn't anxious. I wasn't worried. I started talking to myself. That was an, uh, about a mile and a half walk back to the house. Pondered it, thought about it, and I left it. So school came again, would you like to go back? I says, yeah, yeah, I'll go back, I'll go back. Robin maybe went, now we hear this, Michael, sitting again the same, it must have been a mission because it was all week. Mm -hmm. I'm sitting in the back and those lads sang and I can truthfully say, this heart melted. Mm -hmm. As we really explain it, I don't know. It melt. It's like a light come in and opened me up to the gospel. It was like a light come in, melting away the darkness of just being religious. Mm -hmm. And the preacher, I can't remember his name. I think it was a man, I think it was a man, Val English. I'm not sure, but I'll never forget the text, John 129. Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the... And boom, something hit me. It's like somebody just slapped me in the face. He's talking about sin. I never heard of his sin. He's talking about Christ and the cross. He's talking about the sacrifice. He's talking about my sin, my filthiness, my vileness. And this to me, inside it was being torn apart, but I'm religious. I, I'm good. And there was a paddle. And as that sermon went on, I'm melting and I'm melting. And I didn't want to rush to get out. He made an appeal, but I didn't put my hand up, Michael. I didn't go to the front. I walked home. And fair play to Margaret. I think she knew something was going on, so she didn't touch her. I always say, Michael, when somebody's under conviction, let the Holy Ghost create the birth naturally. Mm. I remember going home, closing the front door, 59 Greens Drive, Ballyclare. Going in my wee room, my wee bedroom, Michael, was about eight by ten, mm -hmm. one single bed and a two-drawer unit. That was at a record player, all my records. And I remember kneeling at that bed, and saying, Lord and Jesus, Lord I, Jesus am a sinner. I am a sinner. Come into my, Come life. Into my life. Come into my Come heart. Into my heart. And he saved me. I, he knew. Saved me. I knew. Sorry, make us wee feedback there. Sorry, make us wee feedback there. Oh, that's, that's okay. It's my internet connection. My apologies. Okay. It's, it's okay. So, it's, it's okay. I remember kneeling, getting so, saved. And I got up and I knew, Michael, something, something changed. Mm -hmm. Something changed. We hear this. The minute I got off my knees, here's the first thing entered my heart. Get a Bible. Get a church. Wow. Nobody had to come to me. Nobody to coach me. I knew. And that proved to me there and then something's happening. So I went to a wee church called the Evangelical Presbyterian in Ballyclare. And thank God for them. They, they, they nurtured me and helped me. I joined their wee choir. Went to wee gospel missions around the country. Heard Sam Workman. 
And then, but I knew here, there was still a hunger. There, there's more to this. There's more. Used to walk the streets, yeah. stop people on the streets. Do you know you need to see it? There was a, there was a zeal, there was a passion, there was a hunger. But still, there was there was something missing. And then at that time, Whitewell had just started at the bottom of the Whitewell Road, and I was invited. And again, it was it's it was difficult to be asked to leave a church that you're getting settled into to go to another church. But little did I know it was part of the journey, Michael. So that all these people filled the bus and they sang all the way from Ballyclare to Whitewell and back. And I went into that meeting that Sunday night in the bottom of the Whitewell Road, I think it was 1977, 78. David Finley, Rob McAllen, my brother stayed in me. And I knew the minute I walked into that church and I heard the worship, I heard preaching, I heard powerful preaching. Something said in my heart, this is your home. And ever yeah. since that, that has been my home. That was, that was the start of my journey. Yeah. Salvation wasn't lights and angels, just something happened. You see, you know, you're, you're a Bible student. Salvation entered me. The born again yeah. experience, heaven coming into a person. And I said, I said, I'm in a church. It's not a decision. It's not raising a hand. The spirit of God entered me. And the desires for the things I used to go had gone, completely gone. And I was hooked at Whitewell. That wee church at the bottom of the Whitewell Road, Pastor McConnell of slim man, black hair, but the preaching and the presence of God. And I knew that's what I want. So that started my yeah. journey. We'll start your journey and that journey led you to Whitewell and I remember talking to the car in the car with you many times about you know you're leaving work and you're getting buses to the meetings to the prayer meetings to the bible studies that hunger that press but you also told me this that when you were younger you prayed God don't make me a minister did you always knew that there was going to be a call to the pastorate at some point in your life and tell us how That's that happened that, that's why I told you, I'll tell you how it happened. That's why if you asked me for a title, a reversal of prayer. My prayers as a young boy, 10, 11 and 12, Michael, in that wee bedroom in a wee house in Springdale. No hot water, cold tap, outside toilet. Just go to bed at night and pull the blankets up to my neck. Lord, Lord, never make me a minister. And here's me, why are you praying that? What's, what's got into you? Mm-hmm. And I believe then, Michael, something, that was maybe God starting to stir. In my heart, I had a fear of God. I was conscious of God mm-hmm. as a young boy. I was sort. I didn't want to do things. Knew there was a God in heaven, but I prayed that at night. Lord, please, God, never make me a minister. God is a sense of humor. Yeah. And then out of that, go to Whitewell. First few months I'm in Whitewell. I'm just like everybody else. We're there. We're loving the meetings, and it happened one night in their youth club. A group of us struck up the chorus. Jesus, how lovely you are. Mm-hmm. And the pastor heard it. He says, come here, son, come here. Lead that on Sunday morning for me. That was the start. I remember that Sunday morning, he get up and he says, there's a group of Ballyclare lads here. Get up here and sing this chorus. And we get up and sing, Jesus, how lovely you are. Michael, I sing that every day of my life. It's my favorite chorus because he's lovely. The desire like every can't wait to see him. Mm-hmm. And I remember then he came to me a couple of months after that. Now, I'm only in Whitewell months. He says, I want you to be the song leader in Whitewell. Michael, all I knew was two choruses. That's all I, I didn't come with hundreds of hymns. and I knew two choruses. I was a rookie. 
never stand on the platform trying to learn choruses and hymns, but it's week after week, month after month, year after year. The Bible says you, you hone your gift. Yeah. You, you, you learn your gift. You settle in. People say to me about, do you want to do this? And that? I know my giftings, Michael. Mm. I know where I am in God. I'm going to say this word, I'm content. I don't mean content. I want nothing more. I know what I was called to do. People came to me with money. Said, would you make a CD? Never worked out. Offers to do that. Never worked out. God planted me. God established me. God gave me the ministry that I was to do. I'm in Whitewell now 42 years. I've never said I want his job. Oh, I fancy that job. I know my job. And then it's when we have late uh, over the last 10 years, be preaching things. I scared skinny of preaching. I've never sing. But it, but it evolves. But let, let me take you back also how it all starts. Started off with choruses. Started off with then doing Sunday school work. Mm-hmm. Line upon line, precept upon precept. And then my heart had a desire for people. I used to sit in church on Sunday night and wait, well, wonder where they live. wonder if they're okay. And that was, I believe, God starting to trigger in me, the pastor, the pastor in me. Never went anywhere to ask advice. How do you become a pastor? Uh, I never went to the bishop or anybody. I just walked the roads. Now, let me explain something. I know the pastor said he walks the roads. My routine before I was saved, come home from work, mm-hmm. got my dinner, got a wee bath, and out for a walk. And what was I singing every night? Walking from Ballyclare, all those wee villages, country songs. Country. Now, that was my training. Christ saved me. So I walked the roads singing songs of Zion and hymns and choruses. Walking the roads. And my dream in those days, Michael, before I was saved, was country music was the big thing. The big place to go was the King's Hall. And I said, I'm going to get into a group and I'm going to do country music. I'm going to the King's Hall. God had other plans. But anyway, I go, keep going to Whitewell. There's a hunger. There's a desire. I remember one I think it was a Sunday morning in the old church. The bishop came to me and says, um, God's something for you. Now, you hear that, you just say, well, what does that mean? Can you explain it? And then I walked away. Mm-hmm. So I just kept doing what I do, go to church, sing songs, join the choir, Sunday school work, still walk the roads, praying. But knowing, knowing there's a calling, which proves away back as a boy of 11, there was a calling and then he came to me one day and he said, I want you to learn to drive. So I knew, right, something's going on here. He never says you're coming into ministry. Here's a date. Just strange wee things. Took me four, four attempts to pass my driving test. So I got it. And he heard about it and he came, right, you got your driving test, son? I says, yeah. He said, that's okay. And he left me. He was strange. He never, he wasn't the type of man that, to come to you, promise you, do this. He just said something, walked away and left you. So I just left it at that. And then he came a couple of months later, he says, uh, hand your resignation and you're coming into the ministry. That's, wow. That was it. Went to work, used to work in uh, a food warehouse in Lisbon. In those days, Michael, you were up maybe half five in the mornings in the shankle. You get your breakfast, walked down to Europa Hotel, got a bus, drove to Lisbon come back so your day was consisting from six to seven five days a week 
rushing home on a Monday night and a Wednesday night, quick bite to eat, the cats like go to the meetings, wouldn't miss the meetings. He said, believe God watches faithfulness. And those days he watches you, he watches what you do. It's all about faithfulness. So I remember it was the 2nd of November, 1988. Eric Briggs was the man who ordained me, brought the word, and a Bible was given to me. And I'm all of a sudden from a warehouse work, young guy running around the country in the sticks, no purpose, no reason, I'm in the ministry at Whitewell. Then that place was alive, the revival, the surge, the move of God, whatever you want to call it, right up there from 30 years, I was in the thick of it. But here's what I want to come back to. He came with a vision and a plan. Let's go to the King's Hall, one church, Michael. Mm-hmm. And that time that church was maybe 1,100 people. Mm-hmm. We packed buses. We, we had mo- this, almost the same amount of buses as the Pope had for his visit down in Dublin. Mm-hmm. Cars were filled, buses were filled, and we went to the King's Hall. Mm-hmm. Those days, I think it seated 8,000 people. Mm-hmm. And there I'm a usual up leading courses, and it hit me. Spirit of God hit me. He says, there you are. I gave you your dream, but you're not singing country songs for you. You're singing the songs of Zion for me. God's got ways of reversing things. So then after that, we went to the Odyssey Arena. So it was at God's Center's a bonus, 10,000 people. The emotion of it all, the tent rallies, huts, tents, Odyssey yeah. Arenas. There was no place that we looked at and said, that's too small. We went everywhere, schools, halls, down all, preaching the gospel, seeing souls saved, seeing people come into Christ. And, and the joys. I, I have precious, precious memories. And you see, when you've tasted of the real, the real McCoy, when you've, when you've tasted of the spirit, you can. And it's not that you're looking for it. You can taste the fake and see the stuff that's been man-made and foot-pumped. And I've served a generation. Michael. I'm 63. Mm-hmm. Come into Whitewell as a boy. I've always said Whitewell's my home. Don't call it church. And if the Lord wills it, if he calls me, I'll be carried out of Whitewell. Uh, I've loved the people. Yes, ministry's not easy. Wow. Ministry's not easy. It's tough going, Michael. It's it's hard graft. Um, what people see in a platform, uh, it's just a wee bit of the, of the work. It's behind the scenes. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's traumatic. It's emotional. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I've, I've seen that. You know, on many occasions, and even just general people were looking for you, and you were at one place, and I point point this person to, to you, and you were gone. I gave you a nickname, Doctor Who's Taurus. You were there one minute, gone the next second. But there's always been that busyness, people looking for you for for pastoral care, support, wisdom. People in hospital, people have passed on. Um, when my own late grandfather ground across, and you were. You were there at, always on time, always on the dot. And in that time of ministry, you met a girl who's my aunt Amy at that point in Whitewell, and you got married mm-hmm. and you had, had children. But ministry life affects everywhere. But what has kept you grounded in the midst of many storms and many trials that have come your way? What has been your your rock that has kept you? Kept you Thank Simple answer to that. Uh, and I think you've detected it, and people have my devotional life. 
mm-hmm. my walking with God. Yes, there has been, oh, there's been terrible times. There's been great times. There's been bad times, been sad times. But what do I do? Get home and I walk the roads. I get alone up the country, go and tell Jesus about it. I go and break my heart about it. Uh, I've buried, I've buried wonderful people. people. I don't bury members. I bury friends. Mm-hmm. When you're a pastor, you're embedded in your friends and their families. You marry them, you bury them, you dedicate their children. You go to the hospital with them. And, and out of that, those friendships are forged. And out of it, uh, you forge true friends. Trying to have friends as a pastor make us difficult. You'll experience it, Rose. It's very, very, you could have a friend for a couple of years and leave, talk. It's, it's difficult. But as you mentioned, Amy, I remember the first church I seen Amy sitting. Really hear this? Didn't know her, never met her, never talked to her. Mm-hmm. But she was sitting two or three rows back. And I happened to be, I maybe come out of the kitchen, walked across the front of the pulpit, and I seen her sitting. And a voice said to me, you'll marry that girl. I never knew her. Mm-hmm. Get hand of God again. She's been there. Listen, I admit, being a pastor, you do unconsciously, not deliberately. You do neglect her family. She reared those girls. When I'm running around the country, visitations, church meetings, and all the rest of it. Um, but that was the making of me. I run to Christ. I get I get alone with God. I, I it's like Joseph. I cry in private. Yeah. Uh, people hurt you, but you can't show it. People kick you, but you can't retaliate. Mm-hmm. And you let them look. If people want to think they've they've got a pound of flesh off you, I sorted them out. Fair play, but I leave out with them. No, no point. Christ has called us to look after sheep. He mm-hmm. said to Peter, feed my sheep. He didn't say beat them. He didn't say fleece them. And there's sheep that are awkward. Mm-hmm. There's sheep that are difficult, but there's sheep that are lovely. And that's a congregation. But you get to know your sheep. You know the ones that will cause you hassle. You know the ones that will do you good. You get to know them, Michael. Yeah, you do. You do. And... Uh... And you've had a, a interesting journey where God has been at the forefront when you're praying at 10, Lord, to make me a minister, then becoming a pastor, then being thrust into the heart of a revival. Uh, for those who don't know, Whitewell grew from a small orange hall by 22 people to be the largest church in Northern Ireland. Still remember seeing photographs, videos, back when you had your moustache. I'm not going to play any of those clips yep. to embarrass you or anything um but in those days like where there's a big crowd there's gonna be so many needs so many funerals so many dedications many marriages many problems many conflicts but you've noticed you've said that you cried unto the lord and you cried in private and the psalmist says i cried unto the lord and he heard my cry i waited on the lord mm-hmm. well what is the the key Bible verse that has sort of been like your life first that brings you hope and encouragement. And what would you say to someone who just needs that touch from God, who perhaps is going mm-hmm. through this difficult, still oh. this difficult season lockdown? Michael, Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. And I spoke on it a few months back. God doesn't do rush. God oh. does hush. And I've learned in storms and trials, walk away, get alone with God. That's why I love John the Baptist. 
John the Baptist got mightily used, but the thing about John, which captures my imagination, mightily used. God sends him out to preach. And where does John go back after he preaches? He doesn't go back to a fan club with the lights, the cameras, back to the wilderness. Mm-hmm. And when I listen, I said, kind, I mean this with all humility. If I sing or speak or whatever I do, once I get home, I get alone with God. Mm-hmm. Because he's given me a gift. It's his gift. It's not my gift. It's sad when you hear preachers or singers or evangelists. I'm this. I'm that. No, no. All that I am, all that I have, I owe to thee, Calvary's lamb. Mm-hmm. And you get older, you get a wee bit more wiser, Michael. Mm-hmm. And yes, I have millions of verses, but be still. When there's trouble, I've learned, still, quiet, get alone. See, yes, it's easy to panic. It's easy to say, well, what are we going to do? Get alone. Talk to God first. Sad to say, Michael, today, and you'll experience it, the believers that go on to Facebook, the internet, blah, 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 the troubles, pouring it all out, pour it in his face. Come to his face. Come into his presence. Not the internet, not the Facebook, not mobile phones. Run to God. Run to Jesus. Abba, Father, my daddy. My heavenly father. And he's been good to me. And he has. And and I just I just thank you for sharing that wisdom and your pastoral heart. And I'm very blessed to have you as an uncle in my life. And I know many people are blessed to have you as a, a pastor, as a confidant who has helped them in their times. We're just gonna pray now. Thank you, Erwin, for opening and sharing your heart. We're just going to pray. And if anyone's affected by these issues, just repeat this prayer and get alone with God. Get planted to the church. Get a Bible and run after mm. God. Let's just pray. Zarwin has rightly says, let's be still. Father, we still our hearts and know that you are God. You are sovereign. The creation around us was made by you. You <laughs> formed us in our mother's wombs. You have called us. Lord, I pray for those who are listening. Lord, I don't know where they stand with you. I pray wherever they're at now, that they would get right with you, that they would accept you as Lord and Savior. That we, they would just pray a simple prayer. Father, I come to you in the name of your Son, Lord Jesus Christ. Save me from my sin and shame. Thank you for seeing me. Thank you for keeping me. Yes, Lord. I pray for the backslider, Lord, who grew up in religiosity, grew up in going to every church meeting under the sun. But Lord, they're empty. The causes, the things of this world have left them empty. Drink, drugs, you name it, the world, social media. Lord, we just pray that those will come back to you, realizing that they come new under the Son of God. And Lord, I pray for those who are having a difficult time, that they would still their hearts and they would run to you. And one day they will see your hand guiding them, guarding them, and directing them into the paths that you've called them. So Lord, I pray, as this podcast episode comes to an end, that hope will arise because you are our living hope. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Stories of hope. Uh, God bless you. Keep keep well. Stay safe and join us for next episode. Take care. God bless.